0: featuring expert advice, live coaching, and tips showing you exactly how to improve your life and attract great relationships. You deserve to feel empowered, secure, and loved. So buckle up and let's get vulnerable. Before we get started, I promised myself that I wouldn't forget to share a very important update with you all. I've officially reopened my one-on-one coaching And I've opened up just five spots to work with me privately. And this will be the last opportunity before summer to work with me. Once those spots are gone, they're gone. So if you're really serious about getting off the dating roller coaster, you're tired of the games, and you're ready to attract a great relationship, go apply now. Use the link in my Instagram bio at Dr. Coaching or feel free to send me a DM on Instagram, letting me know you'd like to apply. Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. I am so excited for today's episode. Today, we have a very special guest. His name is Matthias Barker. He is a licensed mental health associate, and he has a master's degree in clinical mental health. So he utilizes evidence-based practices So acceptance and commitment therapy, positive psychology, and also the Gottman method for couples counseling. He works with adults, children, couples, and he specializes in treating childhood sexual abuse, sex addiction, addiction, PTSD, bipolar disorder, anxiety, and family issues. He is a wonderful asset to the mental health field, and we're so excited to have him on the podcast. So Matthias, welcome. I'm so glad you can join us.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be with you. Thank you.
0: Yes. And you and I, when we were planning this episode, we were talking about how important it is to work with couples on communication mm-hmm. and that, yeah. that you and I have both spent a lot of time in working with couples to, to help mm-hmm. them get good at communication. So I know we're going to talk about that um, and all of our listeners will be very glad to learn about how to communicate more effectively. We all need that, right? right?
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah, But before we do that, I want to ask you just a little bit um, about your background. So can you tell us a little bit about you and kind of like how you got into counseling field we all have our own stories of how how we got in this field
1: yeah well thanks yeah well you know i kind of got in almost on accident i was um i was applying for social work and wanting to get a master's in social work just working with people um in a neighborhood that i that i live in that i really love and um and then i didn't get into that program because there was something wrong with a particular credit that i had in my undergrad that didn't qualify for that so i needed to go to a community college get a credit this thing and that thing. And it just got really complicated and frustrating. And my wife was like, well, what about counseling? And I'm like, ah, I don't really like going to counseling. So why would I get a counseling degree? And I had and, and never been to therapy or anything. I thought social work kind of felt like it was on the ground, you know, the ground floor. And I was really kind of getting, um, I don't know, in the field, helping people. But I just kind of had maybe a um, skewed view of what therapy was and, and not really ever going myself. But then just kind of through a series of events, um, Ended up applying to the therapy program, um, going to therapy myself and kind of had just this huge awakening of like, wow, this is such powerful work and really enjoy getting to be, um, you know, in the counseling chair with people, just kind of walking through maybe some of the most painful, some of the most meaningful, some of the most exciting and joyous moments of their life, but, you know, integrating that into how they think about themselves and who they are and realizing kind of how both working you know, with, with social work and, and counseling can work really well together and as a team. And so I, uh, I did my internship originally at a at a place that specialized in working with kids who had endured sexual trauma and working pretty closely with schools and social workers and and uh, kind of creating plans to be able to help these kids succeed and, you know, continue to grow up, whether that was in foster care or kind of whatever. You know, setting they're in, so um, found that incredibly meaningful, and it's still doing a lot of that work now. Um, and currently at a private practice where I've kind of spread out my specialty to work with couples, and and specifically couples who have endured sexual trauma as well. So that's a little bit of a specialization of mine. And um, but that's it's not limited to that. I work with couples going through all sorts of stuff. So that's a little bit of my journey. It's it's maybe a little unorthodox, but I'm really happy with what I'm doing. I, I really enjoy it.
0: I love that. Thank you for sharing. And even about that piece of not having been to therapy and then, you know, Mm -hmm. having that realization of, wow, this is really meaningful. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you feel like it was just some of the messages that you got growing up that kind of made you, you know, resistant to it or maybe even Mm -hmm. identifying as a male, you know, at times Mm -hmm. there's different like Barriers there. I don't know what what you think would have gotten yeah.
1: in the way. Well, you know, I think I grew up pretty um, pretty religious and in like a Christian subculture that saw counseling as maybe a non-necessity. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the work that you do inward is is getting your relationship with God on the right track and uh, really leaning into the message of Scripture. And and so there wasn't really a high value placed on any sort of um psychological intervention or therapy and so yeah it just never really occurred as an option to me growing up just because that was kind of the world i was living in but then i don't know you just become an adult and live (laughs) live your own experience and and discover things on your own and um my faith is still really important to me it's but integrating kind of what psychology and just through empirical research and the ability for us to um you know, work towards people's wellness has been so beneficial for me personally. And I've seen it, uh, I've seen it been so beneficial for others as well. So yeah, that's a little bit of it. I think,
0: yeah, I
1: think also there's a bunch of factors that contributed.
0: Right. Right. And I think so many people listening can relate to what you're sharing and that maybe within your family culture growing up, Mm -hmm you know, a psychological mental health well-being was just not really prioritized, wasn't talked about. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people, just as you're talking about in adulthood, it's the first time that they're really coming to therapy or even making space for personal development and their, their own Mm -hmm. mental, mental health. Right. So I think that's so powerful. And then you, you know, you're going on to take your own experience and now serving other people and
1: really really powerful
0: yeah thank you yeah yeah. I
1: think that makes it really relatable when people come in and they're not excited to be there and, and that's yeah. pretty common when you're working with kids when you're working even with couples there's there's usually oh one
0: I feel like couple, and the couple
1: that's not stoked
0: oh there's always one partner in a couple that's like I don't want to be here at least I, I don't yeah. know well, not all I'm the time. I'm doing this
1: for them. Yeah.
0: Pretty frequently though, there's the one couple that's like dragging their
1: feet through the door. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah. I think that's relatable for me. And, and I usually bring that yeah. up right at the beginning. Just like, I get it. This is intimidating. I'm just a total stranger at this point. Like,
0: right. And
1: trying to kind of build that trust and rapport from the beginning, not expecting that people are just going to be super vulnerable and open, you know, just because, you know, you have yes. some letters next to your name, but trying to earn that along the way, earn that trust.
0: I love that approach. I think that's so important. That first session, being able to create a frame and kind of create expectations and show that you understand where they're at and that you're not going to push them to go anywhere that they're not ready for. Mm -hmm. You know, the goal is to really create a sense of safety for them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So important. Yeah. Well, I know I'm, I'm kind of going on a tangent, but obviously when you get two therapists together, you can talk <laughs> sure. about all the therapy room experiences. Um, but I want to ask you, so in your in your work with couples,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you, you use the Gottman
1: approach. Mm-hmm. I do,
0: yeah. Yeah. Let's kind of, for the both of us, maybe we can kind of go through like, different phases of couples work so you know in the beginning how how would you approach it like what's what's the first yeah. step when when you have a couple come in your office and you're meeting with them
1: yeah you know it's always kind of an intimidating thing going in with a couple because they're just kind of terrified that they're going to have to open up all the scariest and messiest part of maybe their entire life right then And for a lot of people, they're really used to just trying to kind of avoid or just kind of, uh, I don't know, just put it on the shelf and not have to deal with it today. Or it's, you know, it's come to a point where it's just so pervasive and it's so just kind of overwhelming that they're like, okay, we need to go to counseling or else something's going to happen. And, you know, that first session for me too, it's just, it could be, it could be anything. There might be an ultimatum on the table that someone's like, you have to be here. There might be um, a betrayal just kind of in their story that. Right. Maybe someone, you know, was unfaithful or maybe someone uh, has an addiction or maybe someone is, um, was violent in the relationship. You know, you just never know kind of what's going to be underneath their story. And so I just hold a lot of space to not put in any assumptions, to not, um, I don't know, or even to, just to assume like, okay, I got this. I know what's going on here. I really create a space to be like, I'm really eager to hear your story and make you feel comfortable to be able to, to, be able to share maybe some of the painful Moments that have gotten you, I don't know, to walk into this office to talk to someone mm, you don't know.
0: I love you know, that. And so, yeah.
1: I think kind of starting with that compassion, starting with that um, mm-hmm. place of non judgment, starting at that place of openness, I, I think people can feel that. People can read that when, when you walk mm-hmm. in and you're talking to a therapist and they're just, I don't know, like, does this person really care about what's going on here? Is this person really open to listening to me? Is this person going to judge me? is this person going to take, you know, my side or their side? You know, I think yeah. this, it's a high intensity situation. So walking into that place with a groundedness, walking into that situation with an openness, I don't know. That's maybe my disposition.
0: I, I love that Matthias. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but amongst my colleagues, people I feel very strongly about whether or not they enjoy doing couples work. Mm, right. Yep. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah it does take a certain kind of therapist or psychologist to be able to sit there and make space and, and hold the energy of two people mm. versus one um, mm. because it is, it's, a whole, it's a whole different experience when you're working with a couple versus an individual. Um, mm. And there's a lot, I think sometimes I feel like I'm a referee um, mm. when I'm doing couples therapy, it's, it's a lot more active, I would say, um, sure. at certain points. And so for us, when we're conceptualizing, working with a couple, I'm sure you would, you would agree with us that there's, you know, your relationship with each individual mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then the therapist's relationship with the couple. Mm-hmm. And then there's the mm-hmm. relationship between each individual of the couple, so there's all yeah, these,
1: a lot of moving like, parts.
0: Oh my gosh, all of these different dynamics, and it's to me, it's very energizing, and I love it. I love working with couples, mm-hmm. but I imagine, and maybe you've heard this too, for some, you know, people doing this work, they just find it totally overwhelming, and they they would never work with
1: couples. Yeah, I think it is overwhelming too. If you feel like you don't have, um, I don't know, maybe a a grounded idea of where you plan to be able to take people, you know, yeah. I, I, I've talked to a lot of people that don't necessarily have like an evidence-based practice that they're working on, or they just don't have a lot of experience and, and they kind of feel like you're in the headlights, like something will come yeah. up in a session and they just don't know what to say. And then they start arguing and you don't know if I should interrupt or, you know, there's, there are a lot of moving parts and a lot of components. How have you kind of, you know, dealt that? How Do you feel like you have the good, like energy of being able to kind of, like you said, play that referee yeah. and be able to, you know, make each person feel comfortable. How do you go about that?
0: Yeah. I always tell the couple that, Hey, my client is the couple, you, the, the couple yeah. is its own living organism. And my mm-hmm. job is to look at what is going on in that organism, right? Like what mm-hmm. are, where are the system breakdowns? Cause it, as you know, it's so important to have the couple feel like you're not siding with one or the other. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. and the approach, I, I use a variety of approaches. I definitely incorporate Gottman, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, emotionally focused therapy by Sue Johnson. Love that work. Yes. And then I really, really enjoy Imago. Have you heard of Imago? Uh, No, I haven't. It's great. Actually, I feel like you would love it. There's a great book, anybody who's interested called getting the love you want, I think is one. Mm. um, yeah. but yeah. there's a huge emphasis on dialogue and learning mm. how to, instead of just, you know, instead of just communicating, how do we have, you have dialogue where you're actually connecting and, and feeling mm-hmm. heard.
1: Mm. So, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, that, yeah. That's an important piece too. Not just feeling like you're listening and hearing the other person, but feeling heard from the other yeah. person. That's not an easy task.
0: Yeah and I have an approach to that um, which I definitely want to share but I also want to hear mm-hmm. from you when when you're teaching communication to couples and so our listeners kind of have an idea what are some of the skills that
1: you teach? Yeah well you know I think originally it's you know kind of going back to like we're starting with sessions we maybe they just kind of showed up in therapy and it feels like it's this big tangled bar, ball of yarn that the, they don't even like know how to start untangling yeah. it, and they don't know where to pull the pieces. And, and, and it almost feels like the more you kind of tug at it, the worse it gets, the tighter the knot and right. the more like it just starts getting more of a mess. And so that is a huge question. It's like, how do we even begin to mm-hmm. tackle maybe all of the hurt that I've been feeling for a long time? And and some of it, you know, I, I don't know. I think it's a combination of things. I think I I really set down maybe some ground rules in how Gottman has found, you know, communication to lead to healthy connection and trust versus kind of further damage and further, um, you know, breaches in intimacy. Because it's not obvious how to maybe enter into a heavy conversation and come out on the other side feeling closer mm-hmm. versus just feeling misunderstood again. Because it's likely the reason that they, maybe a couple goes to counseling or the reason, you know, you're seeking coaching or anything like that is because you've tried to have these conversations over and over and over Mm -hmm. but it feels like they're getting worse and worse the more you try and work Mm -hmm. it out and so it's almost like okay we gotta learn a new language to having conversation around these things a new a new way of relating to these topics that feel so important and feel so heavy to us so that um we get a different result
0: I think that's so key because one of the things that happens is couples get what we call entrenched, right? Like they are entrenched Mm. in their patterns and they don't feel like they can change. So they do, they need to learn a new language. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll dive into a little bit of what, what I teach about that and we'll see what you would add, Matthias, but um, so anytime you have a couple who it has had conflict and it's not successful. They have all these you know, stories in their head about how conflict is gonna go and they have this communication pattern. Maybe one partner always withdraws, the other person um, has a very emotional outburst and gets highly activated and they're stuck in this cycle. So, so the first thing I always ask couples is, okay, tell me what happens when you have conflict? Take me right. step by step, right? Like we want to know yeah. what is the current pattern. Right. And then when thinking about dialogue, so this is the piece where, okay, we're going to change that pattern. We want you to, to connect. The, the first thing is realizing that the way that you've been communicating isn't working. So you mm. have to let go of it. Say, okay, that acceptance, what we've been doing isn't working. We need to do something different. That's so good. Yeah. And then, so in dialogue, I'll just do kind of a brief summary of it, but there's always a sender and a receiver. So there's the sender who's currently in the place of, and, and this is within the couple, right? Um, so the, the sender is expressing what's going on for them. And they're using all I statements and they're doing their best to get down into the feelings. So as an example, I feel like you're not invested in this relationship. When you talk about your travel plans, and you're going to go travel for a year. I feel like you don't really care and you're not invested. And then the receiver, their only job, and this is where most couples, they have to learn this, their only job is to say, what I heard you say is, and all they do is validate and they make sure that the sender feels heard, right? But in in most couples, if they're not using this format, the, the person who's listening is going to immediately get defensive. Or, or they're going to say, oh, that's not true. Like, this is why. So teaching this process, I mean, it definitely takes a long time, but it's yeah. so, so life-changing for couples because when you feel heard by your partner, it brings security. It brings yeah. security in the relationship,
1: right? That is so huge. And I love the way you put that. I, I take couples almost on you know a very, very similar journey. And it's... Yeah. I describe it kind of at the beginning, almost like you can explain to somebody how to play golf pretty easy. Like you just, you hit a ball with a, <laughs> you know, with a putter and yeah. it. it goes in the hole. But you know, there's, there's a real skill though, once you actually get the putter in your hands and like, oh, okay, that's not, that's not easy at all. And it yeah. might even take like years to get good at that, even though you can explain it really quickly.
0: Exactly. You know? and so th-
1: there's a real kind of nuance and skill to being able to summarize what your partner's saying. And then do that in a way that you're actually tuning into the emotional content or the, mm-hmm. the, um, the reaction that they're having to the particular situation mm-hmm. so that the other person feels heard, maybe in the particulars of what they said, but also, but also seen in how they're feeling and how they're experiencing the dynamic you're talking about. It's not, yes. it's not obvious how to, how to get good at that you know, until you have someone either coach you or you just have lots of practice and an yeah. open line of communication between people um, as that conversation is going. Yes. So good.
0: And, and Matthias, I feel like this is where us as couples therapists, you know, it's a really important job because at least in my experience, couples aren't going to just go do this on their own. Mm -hmm. It's uncomfortable. They're, they're entrenched in their patterns and having Mm -hmm. to make these changes is really, really hard. So, you know, having that weekly therapy session mm. is almost like accountability. And, yeah. you know, like you're not getting let off the hook. You actually have to work on these things. So, yeah.
1: you know, I, it's, I really it's cool too, though, you know, when you see two people who are um, really committed, you know, to, to making that difference or even, you know, I've seen it even just with one person, you know, who is just like, mm. we're going to, we're going to fix this. We're going to make this better. You know, yeah. sometimes they can grab on to just a few of these principles, kind of like what we're talking about. Something maybe really simple. Like I remember I had a couple, or it was just an individual client who read, um, I think it was Gary Chapman's like five love languages. Yeah. And, and it just clicked with her that she has a totally different way of experiencing love than her husband does. And right. then when she really like kind of went all in on, you know, another way of relating to her husband, it just, it changed the dynamic completely. Oh, Yeah. And you know, so on one end, it's like, this is really hard work and, and it's really learning new language on the other end though, the rewards can be so exciting. And so like, yes. you know, sometimes you can see results like really quickly, really quickly and, Yes, and it really does fuel that ability to keep moving forward. And it doesn't feel like a ball and chain or just some like, you know, uh, I don't know, something heavy and hard. It, it can feel like,
0: wow, yeah, this is
1: getting better. This is really feeling better.
0: I I love that you share that. And one of the things I'm going to go back to what you said, you know, when I talk about secure attachment all the time and Mm. building that secure attachment in a relationship, one of the foundational things is are you committed to showing up Mm. and growing together and doing the work, right? Mm -hmm. So I think something that's happening with couples as they're doing this work is hopefully they're moving towards more security and to a more committed place of, yes, I will show up with you. This is a daily thing. I will do the work with you. Um, mm-hmm. uh, cause you and I both know though, that sometimes in couples therapy, the result that actually needs to happen is that the couple separates. And a lot of times that's because there is one person or there are both people who are not committed to, to the growth or, or there has been too, too much pain and trauma. Um, yeah. So, so that can happen too, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's never easy to make that call too.
0: No, you know, and
1: that's, that's a call I'm sure you relate to, but that we don't make a therapist. We're never telling people, yep, this is over. You guys should just stop trying. They want us (laughs) to, the
0: the call they always want you to, they're like, just tell us, do we stay together or not? (laughs) But that's not our goal. Yeah.
1: I always phrase it like, I'm really just advocating for both, for both of your flourishing. Yeah. That's, that's always my goal at the end of the day is that both of you flourish. And, and that isn't necessarily up to me to dictate, you know, right what that means for you or what that means for your family yeah yeah but uh, i think what's what's important in the meantime is kind of creating this ability for them to communicate because i think a lot of people i don't know feel kind of um this sense of hopelessness for like oh, man yeah. we haven't been able to talk or like communicate i haven't felt passion or romance in 20 years you know nine years yes. you know three years I haven't, I haven't found like a connection with you in so long i don't even know if it's possible you know so there's this unique balance yeah. as a, you know, maybe as a coach or a therapist where we hold hope and, right. and we hold hope for, yeah. mm-hmm. for that, that there's, there's two stories and two sides that people that maybe if they just heard, maybe if they came close to one another, that there could be healing and reconciliation and yes. new patterns of behavior, new boundaries that create a world where they both flourish. Yeah.
0: Yes. I think that's so true. And yeah, I know I've certainly had those couples where it's 10 years, 15 years, longest I think I ever had was 17 years of a couple just feeling like they hadn't really connected in 17 years. Mm -hmm. And you're right. We're holding hope at that point that Mm -hmm. if the two of you can acknowledge, take ownership, ownership is so huge in couples. Take, ownership and then i think another big thing is how do you let go of the shame or the story that you're telling yourself about the Mm -hmm. relationship right because sometimes there's that feeling of like oh i let this person down i'm a bad Mm -hmm. partner um i'm failing And there's all that shame. And then that actually causes you to get more distant instead of taking ownership and going, hey, yeah, I'm really messing up. You know, having that conversation of, yeah, I'm really messing up. I'm really letting you down. And it makes
1: me feel terrible. Like being
0: able to say that is is so
1: hard for people, understandably. Yeah, Yeah. and and I feel like being able to, you know, maybe reach a point of vulnerability like that and then that be accepted and then met by the yeah. other person with soothing and kindness. Yes. If, if that's not always a given, you know, you might have a moment of, I really messed up and the partner almost with kind of like a heart of like, well, yeah, you did. And yeah. seeking a lot of frustration. And so there's a really important part to that where you have to be open and and repair. To soothe and repair. That's the word in the face of a vulnerable moment like that.
0: Yeah, I know. And, and I'm curious, like, some of the things that, that you see kind of mm-hmm. consistently. I know w- one thing I see when it comes to intimacy and having these conversations, um, people or, or couples just tend to not make the time for it. Mm. You know, our world is so busy. Maybe they have kids. They, they each work and they simply aren't making the space to connect. Mm. Um, one thing I have couples do is say, hey, your, your relationship, You know, if we think of it like a business, like a company, and you want that company to go well, you don't just run the company and never have a check-in, right? Like you need to have mm-hmm. a weekly quote unquote business meeting Talk about the wins, Mm -hmm. talk about the things that are going well, and talk about the things that aren't. And when you do that consistently, it becomes part of your routine instead of some big, scary conversation that you have once every three months. So I know one of the things when I work with couples is you guys, if you, and in anything in life, if you want it to work, you have to carve out some time for it and it has to be consistent.
1: Yeah. You know, the way that I talk about that is um, building each other's love maps. And that's, that's a Gottman yes, phrase. it's a
0: Gottman phrase, yes. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, and it's just, I use the analogy of kind of like Google Maps. It's like you can zoom all the way out on Google Maps on your phone. And you'll see some pretty like light amounts of details. So maybe you'll see like state lines. And you could roughly get from like, you know, Washington to Oregon. If, if you had a map like that, you know, and you had a compass. But when you start to zoom in, then you maybe see the interstates. And you start to be able to maneuver the map. With a little bit more efficacy. But the more that you zoom in, the more detail that you're actually putting into this map and the better that you're going to be able to maneuver it. And maybe there's some landmarks, maybe there's some routes of getting places that you didn't see before because you're filling in all the details. And you never know when you're going to need those details because you know, maybe you're filling in this side of town today and it feels kind of irrelevant, but then next week it's like, oh, I have a destination on that side of town and I need to get there. And so Mm -hmm. you kind of using that rough analogy for Let's really dive in and understand the other person's inner world because you never know when you're going to need to really navigate that inner world and, and when it's going to touch on something really meaningful or there's going to be an important event or something that, I don't know, comes up yes. where being able to communicate on that topic is going to be crucial. And so spending time filling in that love map, doing yes. intentional work, kind of filling in the pieces is, is vital for um, just an intimate relationship.
0: It's so true. And knowing that as you and I both know that when you commit to that, it's a, it's a lifelong experience because guess what? The person that yeah. you partner with or the person that you decide to marry, they don't stay that person. We are always yeah. growing and changing. Yeah. yeah. So the moment that we think that we know our partner fully, your relationship is headed for some trouble. I mean, that's, that's the truth. That's a good right? point. You have to know that this map is always going to change and we should encourage each other to be changing and Mm. growing and support one another's growth instead of like, Oh, who are you? I thought I knew who you were. Right. Like instead it's maintaining that genuine curiosity
1: throughout your relationship. Mm. Yeah. Well, as you're, as you're talking, I'm thinking about, you know, a dynamic that I've talked about a lot in my clinical practice around stonewalling. And just how that can be maybe a common, I don't know, like exit ramp on a lot of meaningful conversation that people try to engage in. And stonewalling can kind of be defined as, um, I don't know, well, there's two, there's maybe, let's put it this way. There's two different ways that people respond to conflict. And one is to kind of raise an intensity. And one is to really escalate and kind of uh, become more maybe urgent in the way that you're trying to persuade the other person. Uh, maybe more exasperated as the conversation goes on and wanting to uh, persuade and align, you know, like trying to understand like tell me how you're feeling. Tell me what you're thinking. Why did you do this? Why did you do that? Why are you thinking this way? But that intensity maybe shuts down the other person. And that's kind of what we call stonewalling is really when, mm. you know, it's it maybe looks like a blank expression on the face and maybe mm. looks like, really calm and just, you know, you just stop talking and uh, your partner interprets that as, wow, you just became disinterested. You just totally disconnected from me. You re- you're retreating from me emotionally. Why, you know, why did you just shut down when really that kind of response is accompanied typically by really high blood pressure, um, a heart rate of, oh. of, of, you know, above 100 beats per minute. And this, this uh, maybe hiding emotionally is uh, maybe you can narrate that as the thought of, I just don't want to make this worse. Yeah. And and that thought comes in like, I got to stop interacting in this conversation because I'm just I'm terrified and and I don't want to make this worse. Maybe if I just kind of wait for the storm to blow over, then we can we can re-engage this conversation another time. But, you know, this this kind of reciprocal way of interacting to conflict really just shuts down in, in kind of that language. It's the off ramp. And, and it feels like we just never come back to those conversations. We get to a point, we're talking, you just shut down, and then we never talk about it again. And mm. that becomes kind of a point of, I don't know, like a breach in intimacy, maybe a breach of trust. Because every time I talk about that, you escape. And yeah. It, it becomes like a really difficult pattern. And what both people kind of need to realize in situations kind of like that is maybe the, the person with high intensity needs to understand that in order to really engage in a conversation in a way that's really fluid and that continues to build in that love map that continues to understand deeper, there needs to be a low level of intensity
0: Mm -hmm. and that
1: those high intensity exasperated, you may be, uh, you know, uh, I can't, (laughs) I'm stumbling over my words, sorry. Excoblatives. Nope. Can't say it. I'm going to (laughs) stop. That's okay. So those high intensity moments where we just really try to engage the other person in those bits, it doesn't work. It doesn't and
0: work. Yeah.
1: Further. That's the relation. And, and so there needs to be a lowering of that intensity. And then the other person, the person is Stonewall, needs to kind of reach out and look at the other and say, hey, I really need to maybe engage in some soothing. I need to kind of bring down that intensity. I'm starting to feel kind of overwhelmed. I'm starting to feel like I really can mm-hmm. shut down. Can we maybe just take a 20 minute break? Can we go on a walk? Can may read from,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, you know, let's just take it. But then re- returning to that conversation. So that's not just an out to like stop talking.
0: Yes. It's
1: just like, give me a break. Can I just, can I just take 20 minutes and then we'll come back and re-engage? Yes.
0: Because
1: that's because the goal is to keep moving in that conversation. The goal isn't to, to get there as fast as possible. The goal is to get there and to not take an off ramp. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what your thoughts are about that. Do you, Have you seen that dynamic raising?
0: Oh, Yeah. I, I love that you're that you're getting into that because it's this whole other realization that um each couple each individual couple is going to have a different pattern because each individual has a different story, right? Has their own experiences about conflict. And this is where some of your expertise in trauma, you know, and my, my own awareness mm. about childhood trauma is so important right because also part of couples therapy as you're building that love map as you're Mm -hmm. really understanding each other how can you understand your partner's history and their context Mm. and Mm. not saying that someone's past experiences excuse you know poor communication but when we really know why our partner is doing what they're doing potentially Mm. Um, it really gives us that compassion and, and helps us move yeah. through more easily. So I know that's also part of what mm-hmm. I do with couples is they need to understand each other's childhoods and backgrounds and mm-hmm. experiences, right? So That's, but, so. that's so well yeah,
1: put.
0: Yeah, but I love what you're getting into, kind of the nuances. And And this is, you know, anyone listening, this is some of the benefit of going to couples therapy, because mm. what may work for one person or one couple may not work for you. And when when you yeah. meet with a therapist, you get that specialized plan of, mm. okay, this is the pattern you're in. This is how you're communicating. Mm. This is what you need to yeah. do to more effectively reach one another. Yeah.
1: I yeah. mean, and that's, there's hope in that too, right? It's like, there's Maybe some of the things that I've been struggling with in my relationship, you know, other people have struggled with, too. Yes. And and maybe that's been observed and there's been strategies or ways that people have drawn near each other, even despite, I don't know, patterns of conflict that just feel insurmountable. Yes. And, you know, so depending on, I love how you talked about just kind of childhood experience and trauma. That's absolutely going to play a factor in everything from mm-hmm. communication to sex to um, how you raise your kids to how you respond mm-hmm. um, to any sort of catastrophe in your life. It's like being yep. able to see where the other person's coming from. I loved how you put it. Creates this empathy and drawing near to that person instead of resentment and frustration and irritation. Yes. And yes. and I always kind of take that as a flag in my own heart. Like when I'm when I'm talking to my wife and there's something that a way she's responding to something that's irritating me. I'm like, okay, there is a part of her experience that I just I don't have a full round yeah. of ending of yet. And that's, that's my cue to push in deeper and not just like, you know, shove it off.
0: Yeah. Yeah, We have always in a relationship, which this obviously as us, you know, even though we work with couples, we're not perfect. Right. I know in Mm -hmm. my own relationships, making that transition from reactive to I'm going to respond to what's coming up to shifting to curiosity. How do I get curious about what's going on for this person? Instead of me getting reactive mm. and making it personal.
1: Yeah. That's but, so good. I love yeah. that language around it too. And and I would just put on top like kind of proactive strategies for when things like that come up.
0: Yes. You know, there's
1: that I'm so, like, okay, yeah. I'm gonna get curious and, and we've maybe been down this road before, so let's get better and better at navigating this road every time we walk down it. And that's that's really yeah. great.
0: And and that's because in the moment, you know, as as we know, when when you're highly activated, and they just said the one thing that totally triggers you, um, you're not going to be great at problem solving. So <laughs>
1: having
0: right. yeah, having kind of a plan, having you know, practice good communication and repair, having done all of that ahead of time, so that you're really good at it. And then Mm -hmm. when there is that highly tense, you know, fight um, that happens, you can use those strategies. It's kind of like when you're doing um, training, you know, for for combat or something and and you have to practice it on the ground a bunch before, you know, because you know, you're going to have to use it at some point.
1: Yeah, yeah. Not that conflict is combat, but, you know, I mean, it's it's that, yeah, I think going back to what you were saying, it's that idea of instead of just being reactive and, you know, almost kind of flying by the seat of your pants, it's like having maybe a well padded down path of like, okay, here's how we handle this.
0: Yeah.
1: And specifically around high intensity conflict or kind of like that stonewalling, kind of that propensity or desire to just cut the conversation or cut the conflict or pass over it, ignore that it's even there. Right. Because kind of just like shelving every single disagreement, I mean, that creates a lot of strain on a relationship. Especially, and it's not uncommon right. for, yeah. Yeah, for years. It's not uncommon for maybe the input or the experience of one person in the relationship to constantly get sidelined and yep. not get the proper attention. Mm-hmm. And then that just leads to resentment. And yeah. the other partner, maybe that's complete they're completely ablo- oblivious to that, and so yeah, all of those dynamics can play such a crucial role in our maybe the the other person in all the different places on the map and all these different mm-hmm. domains yeah,
0: so true, so true, yeah yeah there's there's so there's so many. Opportunities to grow in a couple, and I really think it, it ultimately does come back to that willingness and that commitment and decision mm-hmm. that you're going to show up every day and you're, mm-hmm. you're committed to growth instead of just kind of staying comfortable or coasting along or you know, a- avoiding, right? Like having that avoidance. I, I talk with people about I want you to have great relationships, not just okay mm. relationships. I Want you to have great mm. relationships where you yeah. feel deeply connected to your partner, and you feel secure, and you're both supporting one another's growth. You know, so we can decide to have like uh, okay relationships, or we can have really deep connected
1: relationships. Mm. I'm curious to get your input on how you help couples that maybe um, have a pattern of avoidance of conflict. And where a lot of the time they just try to avoid anything that's going wrong in a relationship and maybe they're in counseling and they just have really, I don't know, it just doesn't feel passionate. It doesn't feel close. I don't feel romantic towards you. And, and, uh, and a lot of that is just kind of out of you. How do you kind of think or walk through with couples through patterns of avoidance?
0: yeah and this is so important because you know we know that actually conflict is healthy, so as therapists, we're almost a little bit more worried if you have zero conflict, right, and you you are in that avoidance place. i I once read a stat, and I don't know if this is true now, um, but it said something like, the majority of couples come to couples therapy like seven years after they should have, mm. you know.
1: So I've heard a similar stat. I can't place it, but I know. Yeah, exactly.
0: yeah. Anyways, the majority of couples, they wait way too long before they come to couples therapy. So the, the ones that we see who have been in that avoidance mode, whether it's one partner or both, I think really initially it's just trying to help them be okay with going internal and expressing their emotions. Um, I can think about Mm -hmm. one couple I had where, uh, one of the partners would just always say, everything's fine. I'm good. And that Mm -hmm. was the response to any conflict. Right. Mm. Um, and, and really coming at it from such a compassionate place, just as you talked about of, wow, Mm. that's what you learned to do when there was any conflict and you felt so uncomfortable with anger quote unquote rocking the boat that that's what you learn to do is to just hold it inside and just getting so curious about why that is um, and how they think it's negatively impacting Mm -hmm. their relationship and just trying to open the door to the emotions just a little bit right it's a process you don't you don't have someone just open it all at once it's practicing Mm -hmm okay, how can I tune into myself a little bit more each day? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Mm, that's so good. I love that. And I love your focus on getting kind of to the root, maybe attachment or childhood experience yep. of how that person has responded to conflict their whole lives. So this might not just be, oh, yes. you guys have a chemistry where you avoid conflict, but it could be just like, maybe there's some healing that needs to take place in another domain. Yeah. And a relationship outside of this couple that's going to continually feed life into this. That's so good.
0: Right. And if it's happening in the couple, it's likely it's happening in other areas. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah.
1: yeah. 100%. Yeah. That's so wow. Good. Yeah. I think when I talk to couples about avoidance, it's, um, it, it's easy when they have kids, too, because what yes. typically happens is like you were saying, that pattern is, is also really present in parenting. Um, just kind of avoidance of conflict or just kind of really being persistent with uh, comply with my <laughs> command yes. and, you know, maybe the internal emotional content kind of goes unobserved. And, you know, like, so a conversation that I have oftentimes, whether it's parents or couples is I just tell them like a little cute little story and it's kind of a nice break from some of like the therapy language, but I just told him, it's was like, okay, once upon a time, there's this King and he lived in a castle with a little village at the bottom of the mountain and then there's a dragon at the top of the mountain and this is when the kids you know go wide-eyed a lot of kids love dragons um and they the dragon was fierce and big and blue and green and he breathed fire and then um the king wasn't sure whether to go take on the dragon you know in in the morning or to kind of just ignore it and let it just be there and just try not to think about it and then i'll ask the child or i'll talk to a, a you know a couple and i'll just be like you know why you know should the should the king go face the dragon now in the morning or should the dragon, you know, just kind of be out of view and not really thought about? And they kind of like smirk and smile and, and that's just kind of like a cheesy little yeah. thing. Like, oh, uh, they should probably go face it. I'm like, well, why? And sometimes like they kind of stumble around like, well, why would you go just face it? Well, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's that's the brave thing to do or maybe this, but I actually had like a nine-year-old kid nail it once and, and the kid just right out of the gate just said, well, because, you know, you're prepared. Like, the dragon could come kill you in the night and you wouldn't even know. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, kid, you nailed it. That's it. Yeah. When you face it, you're prepared. You're looking at it. And when so you true. don't, it could just come when you're least expecting it. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of these couples, it's like kind of going back to that reactive, proactive idea. It's like, yeah, And some of these arguments just come when you're least expecting it. You're like in the car trying to get the kids to practice. You're, I don't know, you're yeah. hanging out with family. It's Christmas and, and you're trying to talk to your in-laws. And, and then there's just this argument, this conflict, this frustration that just comes up out of nowhere. And it's like, it just erupts. And it's like, you've never listened to me. I never feel seen by you. And yeah. it's like, and you're in the middle of everything. And it's, it's, you're so yeah. unprepared. You're, you're not ready for it. But something like counseling, something like being able to face it, you know, head on, mm-hmm. it it lets you get prepared. You can get the cavalry together. You can march up the mountain with your armor on. You can you can actually go up there no. and, and face. And and by the way, the dragon isn't like one person in the relationship. <laughs> the dragon is maybe the conflict or the, oh, thing the conflict that, for sure. Yeah, you know, the the thing that you're facing. You guys yeah. can go up together as a team and, and face the face conflict.
0: The, yeah, that's huge. On. yeah. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I. I'm gonna totally steal it. I love it.
1: <laughs> yeah, cute <it's a> <laughs> little story, but,
0: but it, it no, it's job. powerful yeah. though. It's true about being prepared because sometimes y'all have been in that relationship where, like, the final thing is that once again they had to ask you what your coffee order was, and you know that you've told us yeah. that three hundred times, and then it's that one little yeah. thing. Breaks like, the camel's back. Yeah, I'm done. And, and yep. that's because you didn't go deal with the dragon, right? Like you didn't go mm. deal with the conflict or the pain or the betrayal or what, whatever it is that's causing pain within your couple or, or disconnection. Mm. Um, that's so good. Yeah. And our job as therapists, right, is being able to give couples the tools that they need So that when they are done with therapy, they are out and they are able to, you know, fight those dragons, deal with conflict, build intimacy, and it becomes lifelong skills for them that we hope Mm. totally transforms their relationships and brings them closer, makes them healthy and happy couple.
1: Mm, 100%. Yeah. Really well put.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Great, Matthias. Well, this has been such a good conversation. I yeah. feel like people are kind of like fly on the wall here. Like, oh, what what is couples therapy <laughs> like, you know? Um, yeah. So obviously, you know, we would love to hear from anyone listening who's curious about couples therapy or just mm-hmm. wants to know a little bit more. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's never too late is what I tell people. Yeah. It really isn't, especially when both both individuals are committed to the growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I yeah. agree.
0: And Matthias, so one last question for you, and this is just kind of a fun one. Um, mm-hmm. But just like right now, is there, is there something that you would want to share with somebody that you feel like is really speaking to you currently, whether it's mm-hmm. like... Um, an idea, piece of advice, quote, what what would you share with someone to make their life just a little bit better?
1: Well, you know, I, I'm just thinking even about my own relationship. And sometimes, you know, in conversations like these, because uh, I listen to lots of podcasts where people kind of like you and me are talking about relationships in different ways that intimacy and closeness can be accomplished. And and I just think sometimes it feels all so heavy and so hard and it feels kind of overwhelming. And there's so many different skills that I've to learn in so many new ways. And, and it's about the thing that matters most to you in the world, which might be just keeping your family together, keeping your marriage together. And it may just feel like it's hanging on by a thread. And, and that can feel like just such like an incredible weight. But um, I just wanted to offer just an encouragement that there is... There is hope when, like you said, two people are committed and they want to relearn a way of communicating and, and learn new skills of being able to draw close to one another because intimacy and closeness is the thing that heals. And we've seen that regardless of really, really, you know, devastating circumstances when there's illness, when um, somebody in the family dies, when, um, when there's been a betrayal, when there's been financial or economic instability, like, We've seen that people, when they really draw close to each other in love and in commitment and really listen and tune into the other person's experience and become a safe haven for that other person, that reconciliation can happen and that healing can happen and it can happen for you. And so I just wanted to offer that encouragement. And as we're listening and talking about all these different aspects of it, that it's really, it really is attainable.
0: I love that. That's beautiful. I think that's going to give someone a lot of hope when they, when they hear that. And we know it's true. Um, and Matthias, I just want to say, you know, you've been such a great guest. Thank you so much for yeah. your time. Yeah. And I also want to ask you, how can our audience best connect with you? Give us all your, your yeah.
1: info. <laughs> sure. Well, you know, Dr. Morgan, I'm, I'm so thankful that you brought me on and, and I've really been enjoying your work and you've been really being intentional about um, creating available content that isn't just, you have to get in the therapy room to get access to, like you've been doing a really awesome job of creating podcasts and Instagram posts. And I've really enjoyed reading all of them and, and learned a lot from you. And so I'm just so thankful that you brought me on and thankful that um, I get to speak with you. Uh, yeah. Find me on Instagram. That's always the best way to find me. So I'm on Facebook as well, but Instagram at Matthias J Barker, Um, that's my, that's my user and you can probably find it on Dr. Morgan's page. I'll have a way to spell that, but, um, yeah, that's, that's where you can find me. I'm, I'm always kind of posting different stuff on couples, but also on other topics as well. I post videos pretty often. And
0: yeah, you have some great videos. You're, you know, obviously you're incredibly well-spoken and you have some amazing videos. So definitely go check out his video Mm -hmm. content for sure. Um, and then obviously we would both love it if there was a takeaway that you had from this episode or a part that you just Mm -hmm. really, really enjoyed, make sure that you screenshot the episode and then take myself at Dr. Mm -hmm. Morgan coaching and Matthias Mm -hmm. at Matthias J Barker and share it to your story on IG. We, we want to know. Yeah. And please send us a DM, let us know. (laughs) Like we love to hear feedback. That's, that's why we do this, right? Because. We want to help you and serve you. So it means the world to us when you actually reach out.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for having me. And as always, you all, I am wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. I will talk with you soon.